Okay, welcome to this week's pod, QPE Sports Exchange. I'm your host, Vince. We're a little late. One of the reasons why is that there was a huge cable outage in my area. So, no Wi-Fi for like a couple days. So, we're getting this up now. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFC and AFC West previews. We're going to hit some bubble talk. I have a little situation with Milwaukee and what they're going to do. We'll touch on some college football. And also, we will hit wrestling. Now, sit back and enjoy the pod. Okay, so crazy week so far here at the Casa. We had a cable outage. We couldn't podcast for a couple days. It was weird because they said it'd be back in like two hours. And then it took literally two days for it to kick in. So that's where we are now. So we're going to go ahead and now do this podcast. Which is great because the couple days did give us some new information and it actually bled right into this week's podcast and what I wanted to do anyway. So it really helped. But I love getting the podcast out on time for you guys. So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition. We're going to talk a little bit about the bubble. We're going to talk a little bit about Milwaukee in general. Here we go. Okay, the first seed in the East was knocked out. Milwaukee's gone. Miami took them out in five games. Giannis got hurt. Game four. Couldn't play in game five. And that really just ended their chances. But it got me to thinking about Milwaukee in general, right? couple things. One, at this point, is the clock ticking on Bucks. Let's kind of hash this out a little bit. You got Milwaukee. They're a small market team. Let's just be honest. Okay. They have one of the top three players in the league, you know, arguably, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. They, regular season, on fire. They're going to win games because their effort is going to be better than most teams. Uh, Their execution of their offense in the regular season, it promotes, you know, 50, you know, 50, 55 plus victories in a regular season where we have 82 games. You have one of the best players in the league. But what about his supporting cast? And see, this is where small market teams do not have a lot of foresight. This is why Bucks fan. This is why Pelicans fan. This is why Charlotte Hornets fan. If you're a small market club, you got to hit it right with your draft. And you also have to understand that there will be a dip into the salary 
cap tax. So let's kind of play this out a little bit. So for the last couple of years, Milwaukee's been very good, growing as a team. After Takunko has really elevated his game, now he's like I said, a top three arguably in the league. And you're looking at this situation, going like, "Oh wow, put the pieces around them, and just let them take off." That's exactly what they did, right? But as things happen, you draft and you develop because you have to in Milwaukee. You you don't have a choice. You're not ever going to get prize free agent in Milwaukee, okay? Secondary guys, yes, but the quintessential star, you're going to draft him and develop him, but you're not going to get, like, LeBron James and Kevin Durant's of the world and Kyrie Irving's of the world. The guys, like, if Steph Curry came on the market, he's not looking at Milwaukee, okay? So you have to develop your guy. But once you develop him, you got to put the pieces around him and you have to support him. Get to support him financially, you know, give him back. Then you have to put the pieces around him because the clock does start. And guess what? Milwaukee fans fear the deer fans. The clock has started to tick. That series right there, that loss to Miami said all you needed to know about your squad and your superstar the clock is ticking. It might not be next year, but the year after. What do you do, Milwaukee? You've been good for a while, right? Do you trade them and get pieces back now? And talk to them. You know, be a partnership. Hey, Giannis, where are you looking to go? You know, have you had discussions, you know, with players around the league? Where would you like to go? Where would you like to land? Give us a list of three or four teams, you know? And then... Try to extract from that team as much as you possibly can, a la the Lakers and the Pelicans. Or do you let it ride and you just try to do moves that are going to appease your superstar for the short term, completely ruining your situation once he leaves? Because here's the thing. They leave. Dame is a different beast. Dame Lillard is a different animal. He's a different cat. If Giannis is not even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, if he's not getting to the championship to at least have a taste to see what it's like, he's going to bolt. I don't care what you do. I don't care how much he loves Milwaukee. He will bolt. I might be in... The minority on this, but I don't see a guy that guy after game three looks super despondent. That guy looked broken. That guy looked like I played my ass off, I did everything that I possibly could, and we just couldn't get it done. Now, there's some flaws in his game, and we'll get to that, but I want to tell you where this kind of all started. Okay, let's go back a couple years. Actually, it just seems like a couple years. No, it was last offseason. So let's go back. So Milwaukee, 
coming off a devastating loss, right? They have on their team at the time, what's the lineup? You got Brooke Lopez, Anta Tacumpo, you had uh, Brogdon, you had Bloodsoul, and you had Middleton. Okay, so that's your squad, right? Middleton can play the two, three, you know, depending on what lineup you're playing. You got that. You got a pretty solid bench, right? Now, Milwaukee did not want to go into the salary cap tax, okay? Now, they paid Chris Middleton, so he signed a five-year, $178 million deal. Now, Milwaukee, I understand your plight, but still, you got a real finite window here to make some real hay, and the money of the tax you would have made up in actual wins. So here's the problem. If Chris Middleton signs, what happens to Malcolm Brogdon? So Malcolm Brogdon gets bagged too. So when Brogdon got that deal, they sign and trade him. Okay. So the Bucks sign and trade Malcolm Brogdon. Now here's the thing. You guys, I understand notoriously, historically, you do not like to go into the salary cap tax. The replacement that they got was an aging veteran, Wes Matthews Jr. Now, here's the thing. Wes can shoot it. I got it. But Wes is not the defender, nor is he the playmaker that Brogdon was. So, here's the thing. Yes, you probably would have ended up in the cap. The wrong move was Brogdon signing trade to Indiana for all places, which is like your division. You got two first round draft picks. I really hope that those draft picks turn out to be everything that Malcolm Brogdon is in better. But that doesn't help this year. You get to the bubble, you're the number one seed. Everybody expects you to get to the finals and you fall apart. Because of the fact that you don't have that second guy. And even with Brogdon, you probably would have had the second guy. But with Middleton and Brogdon, one of those guys could have stepped up each night. So one could have went off one night, and then the next night, the other guy gets off. But at least you had a choice. Now it's on Middleton. Middleton gets all the money, right? He gets the five-year, $178 million. And now it's on him to be the Robin to the Greek Freaks Batman. So you sit there and you think, okay, he got his back. He's been in this system for a while. He's secure. Everything's good. And like Mark Jackson said in one of the telecasts, he said, this is a Chris Middleton that needs to show up. I think this was on the 31-point game that he had. To stave off elimination, he scored 31. Mark Jackson says... He needs to do this every single game. He can't chill and just float out there. So here's a a guy who has, you know, over 10,000 assists in the league. He's a a veteran of many years as a player and then also as a coach. So I listen to Mark Jackson because I think Mark Jackson knows what he's talking about. By the way, shout out to Mark Jackson. Yo. I think that dude deserves a shot at being a coach again. 
all these vacancies that's going on out there NBA. You know, Oklahoma City, Donovan got blown out, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Jackson should get a job. So we digress back to Milwaukee, right? You sign him, and you got a guy who's still out there floating and just chilling on the court. And in playoff time, there is none of that. You can do that in the regular season. You know, let's say you go out to a club, whatever, night before, you know, one of your favorite cities, maybe it's your hometown, you know, you don't have it that game. All right, you kind of float and chill. But in the playoffs, nah. It is about win and advance. And you know who is about that life? Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is about that life. Because you know what he said? Screw Giannis. I don't care what people say. I'm the best player on the court. And Jimmy has that. Jimmy has that dog. Okay? And then he got a bunch of scrappy dudes around him. Bam. Awesome. Duncan. Robinson. Awesome. Shooter. Point guard. Awesome. So they got a bunch of dudes that are scrappy. And... They went into that series with no fear because you know what they knew? They knew Chris Middleton was going to be guarded by Jimmy Butler some of the time. And Jimmy Butler was going to get in that cast head. He had one good game. rest of the game, eh. I mean, there were a couple, you know, it didn't, it wasn't that he didn't have good games. It was that he had his game. He had his normal 17, pretty efficient, you know, couple rebounds here and there, couple assists, you know, just his regular game. Everybody knows that if you're number two, playoff time, if you're a 17-point scorer in the regular season, you need to be a 21-point scorer in the playoffs. You need to be extra. Whatever super-duper you are, that's what you need to be in the playoffs. You regular in the playoffs, no good. That cannot happen. Not when you got five years, 178. You got the bat. So now you got to produce. And you have to produce because the guy who is your superstar and you're in Milwaukee is going to bail. He going to look at that team really Sometime next year, right, probably right around after Christmas, so right after holidays, he's going to look at the team and go, I can't win. I can't win the way I want to win. I can't win championships. So let that sink in, Milwaukee. Fear the deer, Buck fan. Just understand that your window might have just closed. Not because you're not talented, not because your guy is already gone, because I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that the, the clock has started to tick. Karen Cross reference, WWE, shout out. NXT, shout out. TikTok, Buck fan. TikTok, Buck's management. Because here's the thing, that trade that you made for Brogdon was ill-advised and then bringing in Matthews as the guy to replace Brogdon 
was also ill-advised. You need to go back to the drawing board. You obviously don't have enough perimeter shooting to do what you need to do. That should be the focus of area. Oh, by the way, I told you we get back to Giannis. Giannis, you gotta go get a, you gotta go get an eighteen to twenty foot jump shot. You gotta make them pay on the outside when they pack the lane. Keep in mind, I understand it's team. You wear the jersey. You love the team. I understand that, but your big boy also has to upgrade his repertoire to get his team over the top as well. If he's decided that he's going to make it work in Milwaukee, he's going to have to go ahead and make some adjustments to his game. Not saying don't live in the paint because that's what you do. But you got to make him pay with like a 20-foot jump shot. Your mid-range game has to get better or extended mid-range game a little bit further away from the key. So then they're not packing the lane on you. You start knocking down 20-footers and an occasional three. You don't have to shoot 40% at three. But if you were shooting like 33% at three, 35 would be optimal. 35% at three, knocking down the 20-foot jump shot at a pretty high clip. Now the lane is open and you can release your role players to be more aggressive and cut to the basket. Bucks fans, what do you think about how it went down? Your team is eliminated again. Disappointing year again. Giannis is hurt, but doesn't seem to be serious. What do you think about him leaving? If he's going to leave, do you think the clock has started? Did you see the scene after game three where he's just sitting on the bench by himself with his head down? Do you think the clock started then? Because I believe it did. I believe the clock started as soon as he saw, like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I have the squad. And I don't know what management is going to be able to do to give me the squad. Because they're not willing to go over the salary cap. You know who's willing to go over salary cap? The Lakers, the Warriors, teams like that who want to win. Hell, you tell Mark Cuban, hey, you can have a front court of Giannis, Doncic and Porzingis. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine that? I bet you that do go over Sally Cap. Bet you you wouldn't care. So Buckshan, your team is out. Now it's on to football, I guess. So go with that. We're gonna hit a little bit more about the NBA. Uh, little observations of what's going on outside the Bucks situation. Which looks critical. Clippers won a couple. Denver's won one. Paul George showed up in game three. Which is awesome for the Clippers, by the way. Hey, Paul, just as a FYI, thank you for waking up that we're in the second round of playoffs really could use you to play. In the loss that uh, Denver put on him, Kawhi only had 13 points. It's one of those crazy little situations right there. So now the 
Boston series, which by the time this pot is on, goes on live to Apple Pod and all wherever else you get your podcast, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, Spotify. That series could be over for Toronto and Boston. It's 3-2 now. You know, it's the thing that played out, right? It's the thing that I told you that I thought in the first podcast. I said Boston, to me, was the team that I felt that was the most complete team. They got their one, they got their two, and they're deep as far as in the East, I thought. You know, everything is kind of going to plan in what the way I saw it. You know, I didn't think that Miami would be the one that knock out Milwaukee, but I thought Boston would. And I think if that if they would have got to there, I think Boston would have beat them. Now, the other thing is, is that, you know, Toronto is that team. They are absolutely showing their championship caliber medal. I mean, it's 3-2. They played their hearts out. You know, we'll see what happens tonight. By the time this airs, that game will be over. We could be looking at game seven, or we could be looking at Boston waiting or actually start getting ready for their heat series. <laughs> Damn, Milwaukee. Every time I say that, I'm just like, ooh. Now, the Lakers, on the other hand, are starting to figure out that they're a lot bigger than Houston. Now, even with their small lineup, they're a lot bigger than Houston. And they're starting to figure that out, which is even more dangerous when it comes to Houston. The defense in the first game didn't show up, and now the defense is here and they're starting to understand they're locking in in like the third and fourth quarters. So you're starting to see the separation a little bit between those two teams. I just never believed that you could win with like a pretty much an average of a 6-5 lineup. And that's what Houston has. I mean, their tallest guy is 6-7. It's awesome when it's working and threes are just going in. They're raining and... You know, maybe you're doing just enough on the 50-50 balls to stay competitive where, you know, everything is good. But you got to expend so much energy to do that and to not have a big to help you do all the little dirty work that you kind of need. They're just running into a problem because what the Lakers did, they just adjusted. They said, oh, okay. So what we'll do is. Anthony Davis, I know you don't like to play the five position, but you're going to have to play the five. Marquise Morris is playing a lot more. LeBron is playing his position, which is funny because they got Eric Gordon at 6'3", guarding LeBron James, and that just looks hilarious to me. And LeBron has activated playoff LeBron because he blocked four shots in game three in the third quarter. And I mean, the chase down... He also got somebody, like, just snatched a soul out their body one time. I mean, it was ugly in the third quarter. And remember we had talked about there was a game in the finals in 2017 where Curry went up for a shot that it was, like, during a timeout or a foul. It wasn't even a real shot. It was just a practice shot, and LeBron blocked it. And he has that same look on his face right now. That's not good. I mean, this looks like it's all the makings, right, of a Clipper-Laker Western Conference Final.
Let me tell you something. My whole world will be off the chain for that. LeBron never forgets. Keep that in mind. So Kawhi kind of spurned him in the offseason. <laughs> hey, yeah, dog, I'll get back to you. You know, I just got a couple things. You know, I won this championship. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Oh, yeah, free agency. You know, oh, yeah, coming to L.A. Yeah. Yeah, I told everybody a couple years ago I wanted to be a Laker. Yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah. You know, well, I'm going to have to let you go right now because I got to, you know, I got a party. got stuff going on, whatever. Strong LeBron on to the point where he's doing backroom deals with the Clippers to get Paul George to the Clippers and then he was signed. And all the while he's telling LeBron and the Lakers like, oh, yeah, yeah. What about this? Can I bring this trainer? I have this special seat that I like. I got to bring this guy in to do my cornrow specific. He down in San Antonio. I really, really like Chick-fil-A, so can you hook me up with, you know, like some kind of sponsorship? All this stuff he's asking the Lakers. There was something where him and his uncle asked for something for the Lakers to give them. And it was something that was, like, weird. It was like, we're going to need, like, six, you know, to and from. Not six private jets, but rides. It was something weird. <laughs> what are you asking for? Hey, Genie. Yo. I'm going to really need that, like, that coffee maker that does the espresso and makes the milk. Yo, I need that writ in, written into my contract. Hey, Genie, is there any way that you get me an affinity pool in my house, in the mansions, in, in the Hollywood Hills, or wherever I live? So he spurred them along, and now I believe that the Clippers will get past Denver, and I think we're starting to see the difference in Lakers series. And so we're going to have this collision. That I said in the first podcast. I do believe that the Clippers are more talented. I think they have a lot of talent. But they remind me a little bit of those Portland teams. Back in the day. You know what I'm talking about right? They had Pippen. I think they had Cliff Robinson. Rest in peace Cliff. That was the Sabonis team think Drexler was still on that squad but they had like a bunch of dudes off the bench too they had like a bunch like Bonzi Wells and Gary Grant was on that squad Jermaine O'Neal was on that squad and he couldn't get any burnt he had to go to Indiana to get minutes and then become a superstar so that was they were so deep that Jermaine O'Neal could not get minutes that's crazy and that's what the Clippers remind me of. They're deep. They're so deep. You got Lou Williams and you got Montrez Harrell. He's the sixth man. Lou Williams could be the sixth man. With Montrell, Montrell Harris, he was the sixth man. You got weapons and just different guys every night. So we'll see how the will of LeBron and AD can go up against just the the waves of people that the Clippers are going to be able to throw at them. So that's just my my little rant on the bubble. The Willie Donovan, um, I guess they called it a mutual agreeing to separate. 
Donovan was basically like, yo, are you blowing this up? Is Chris Paul not going to be my point guard next year? GM is saying, yup, that's exactly what's about to happen. You weren't supposed to play, make the playoffs this year. Donovan, I'm not about that life. I'm playoff bound every year. Thunder management, well, you got to go. Because we got to start this rebuild process pronto. Because keep in mind, like, Stephen Adams is, like, what, 27, 28 now? So, he might not be around or be the same guy that he was now when they're good again. Because it's a terrible thing to be in limbo in the NBA. And limbo is, you know, you make the playoffs. Maybe you're, like, a sixth seed. That's, like, the highest you get. Maybe next year, you're, like, a a 10 seed. So, you're just right outside the playoffs. So you're not getting the high draft pick that you need to really fortify your squad. You're not good enough to really make a real challenge at like one of the higher echelon teams. So what do you do? You got Chris Paul. You got Steven Adams. You're going to have to make some changes. And I know Billy Donovan was like, no. I left the University of Florida for this job. Okay. I was a god there. I didn't have to come out of college. I could have stayed there. I could have been like the Nick Saban of college hoops. That dude was getting to the finals like every year. So he comes to Oklahoma. They're in the playoffs. They're, you know, battling every year. Now Westbrook is gone. The Chris Paul trade was supposed to basically backfire. And he only played like 20 games this year. Get hurt. Pull a groin. But I told you that dude was about winning. He's like, I'm old, and I'm about winning. And if you're not about that life, get the hell up out the way. That's exactly what happened. And just think, Billy Donovan had Chris Paul on the court. So he literally had a floor general on the court running his offense. So he felt super good about his chances. He was like, we'll scare everyone. We'll just scare everybody. And they did. But they're just not good enough to get to where the Clippers are, the Lakers are. Keep in mind, right, next year, somehow, someway, Portland stays, you know, where they are. I don't know if they – Dame is a real loyal guy. So in, if CJ is cut, CJ McCollum is cut from the same cloth, that's going to be the same squad. They might make some changes in the front court, but ultimately – It'll look a lot like it did this year. But remember, Golden State will be back next year. Oklahoma City has some changes they had to make. And the first domino to fall was Billy Donovan. I don't think he'll be out of work long. Whether it's college or pro. You know. I don't know where he will go. I think that he is definitely not going to be unemployed for very long did anybody really see the steve nash head coaching situation for the brooklyn nets when i saw it i was just like that could end up being really good or it could end up doing just being really bad nash sees the game a different way and could you imagine trying to express that to Kyrie? Like, dude, you got to pass. You know, 
Steve is kind of chill, you know. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't competitive as a player because that dude got his squads to some real situations and he drugged that those Phoenix teams along. But, man, can you imagine him going to Kyrie? You got to pass the ball. You got to share. You know, Kyrie's like, yo, this one-on-one action, they're about to get this work. <laughs> so that's Steve Nash, Kyrie dynamic. I don't know if he'll have a problem with KD. Because KD, to me, is a guy who's pretty flexible, almost to a fault, you know, trying to please everybody. But he's so talented, so he's kind of like, yeah. And he's efficient. So you don't have to get KD 30 shots a game, like the Harden situation. You can get KD, like, 20, and he's still end up with, like, 45, you know. And that's a star player. That's, a, like, a top when he's healthy you know, now we got to rejigger the top five of who is the best and all that. Those are the type of situations I don't look at and go, meh. I don't, that doesn't scare me. But Kyrie and Steve Nash, that scares me a lot. <laughs> I'm not saying that, that Steve is like Phil Jackson, but I'm just kind of imagining this dude just kind of telling Kyrie, you got to see the floor. You got to be the floor. Be one with the basketball, but be none with, be also be one with the basketball when it's not in your hands. He's like, what? Ball's not in my hands. What? You want me to come off picks? Huh? Kyrie is like, yo, I'm Uncle Drew. I give these dudes the blues when I have the basketball. You seen my movie? You seen some of my YouTube? I'm about that life. So that'll be an interesting dynamic between the two of them. And really, that's it in basketball. So we're just in a situation now that we're just kind of waiting till the final start. And I think it's going to be awesome. That Boston, I, I believe it will be Boston. Um, sorry, Sorry, we are the North. Drake, they gambled with Kawhi, and they didn't lose, really, if you think about it. Because they got to the second round, and they are giving Boston all they can handle. Kudos to that team for not folding after Kawhi left, because they got nothing for Kawhi. We just got to see what they can kind of muster up. And see how they're going to rejigger in the offseason. Is this the time that Masai Jerry starts to think about maybe kind of tinkering and blowing some stuff up and getting younger? Build the team around Van Vliet and Siakam. Spicy P. Always cool when you can get a Spicy P reference in the pod. We'll see how that ends. I believe that Boston will go ahead and, and close him out tonight. Last ones, I wanted to get this out definitely before tomorrow. I'm going to edit my ass off as soon as I'm done with this pod to get it up because we got the AFC NFC West preview. Let's get it going.
guys, so we're going to do the preview of the AFC West. I'll give you a little bit about each team, and then we'll go ahead and give the actual predictions. AFC, NFC East, I told you I thought Philly, Fly, Eagles, Fly, Christina, again, friend of the pod, that's for you. I believe the Pats will hold on and win that division in the AFC East. AFC North, I had the Ravens winning that division. People believe that Pittsburgh is going to be good. I don't know. I'm not. I have to see it to believe it. Not because I don't trust Pittsburgh and their organization. I'm just saying Ben Roethlisberger's injuries are, they're a lot. And they're happening every year. In the NFC North, I had Green Bay just because of the quarterback. But I told you. I was not confident in any one of those teams. I really believe on paper, Detroit is 11-5 team. We'll just see if they can live up to their individual players can do collectively. And Minnesota, we'll see. Kirk Cousins, you got everything you need, so shut up. All right, so then in the NFC and AFC South, I had New Orleans still winning that division. Tom, terrific. We'll get them, get Tampa to the playoffs, but New Orleans wins that division. In the AFC South, I had Houston. I still am going with Houston. I'm looking at Indy. I'm not, I'm not impressed with your quarterback. He's old, and he's not as good as people think he is. And we'll see what he does in Indianapolis. Tennessee, I believe your running back is super sweet. I believe that your offensive line is equally as super sweet as your running back. Your quarterback situation, if y'all believe in Tannehill, God bless you. I don't. So, there it is. So, that's a recap on those. Now, we are going to the AFC West, boy. So excited for this. Get this in. Get these predictions up. And then, you know, like I told you, have at it. I'll give you my Twitter and my Instagram at the end of the show. I've told you I'm not hard to find. So pretty much the AFC West is this. So who's playing for second place? Kansas City is clearly just in charge of that division. There's no question about who's going to win it. Unless it's just catastrophic injury, KC is going to definitely win. Mahomes is paid Five oh three milli over ten years. I repeat, a half a billion dollars in ten years. Check this out, right? He's twenty five. He's been a league MVP, a Super Bowl champ, a Super Bowl MVP. His numbers are as a starter in the regular season twenty four and seven. He's completing 66% of his passes over his career. He's thrown for 9,400 yards so far. And he has a 76-18 to 18 T touchdown to interception radio. So that's why he got the money. So if anybody's complaining about that, that dude is 25 and those numbers are super real. Kansas City in the offseason also. I don't know what's going on over there, but they got another weapon. 
their first round draft pick out of LSU, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, that's another squeeze guy. That's another explosive weapon. That's another potential difference maker for an offense who didn't need it. They got Kelsey, they got they got the squeeze wide receivers already. And now, and they got the best, really, come on now. He's the best quarterback in football. They got all that. So, now on the defense, their defense is okay. But signing Chris Jones was key to me. Just kind of keep the whole continuity going. If the defense can say, hey, all we have to do is hold teams to like 21, we're going to win. Because we got Patrick Mahomes and all these weapons. So literally it's like just cap them off at three TDs. Field goals are even better because we got Patrick Mahomes. Now Denver, this is one of the things by doing the podcast today that your preseason review or what I what I think of you changes now, right? Because... I thought that you were going to have Von Miller. Guess what? You do not have Von Miller. Von Miller is going for ankle surgery. And he's out. That's it. He's gone for the year. He'll be back in 2021. Now, your defense was solid. Now, I'm like, okay. Those are big shoes to fill. So it changes a little bit for you. But you still are the second best team in that division. Bradley Chubb. Defense is still. It'll be okay. I believe in the draft though. This is where Denver did make hay. Because here's the thing. We're going to find out if Locke is really legit or not. Drew Locke is still living. In the ghost of John Elway. And the specter. Of Peyton Manning. So we're going to find out if Drew Locke is for real. They drafted Jerry Judy out of Alabama. Excellent choice. Great route runner. They drafted KJ Hamler. Also another weapon. And just think, they also had Courtney Sutton already. They picked up Melvin Gordon in the offseason. You pair him with Philip Lindsay. You got a good offense. Your offense is looking good. So you should be the second best team in the division. No questions asked. We'll see if Locke has the goods or he doesn't. Ask Missouri Tiger fan about Drew Locke. That leads me to the Chargers. I still can't bring myself to call them the Los Angeles Chargers. Not because I'm a San Diego fan. I just think the I just think it should be the Rams, Los Angeles, and then, you know, Chargers, Tijuana. Okay, Charger fan. The one thing we can say about the Chargers, right, is that they actually do know what they're doing about actually drafting quarterbacks. Keep in mind, this is the team that had Dan Fouts. This is also the team that drafted Drew Brees and then thought he was too tiny and had the shoulder injury and drafted Phillip Rivers, who 
just left after 17 years. So now they draft Justin Herbert. I really hope that you are right. Here's a good thing. His clock shouldn't even start to tick until midway through the second half of the um, the football season. If you're a Charger fan right now, you're looking at for Herbert week 12, week 13. Like, you really want that to happen. You want him to suck up as much NFL nuance and being able to look at study film and all of that before he touches the football field. Because I'll tell you why. Anytime they went up against a really good team, Herbert would throw like three interceptions. Now you're talking about the National Football League. He has a good arm. He has incredible size. And he has mobility that does not match his size. So I can understand the upside. And I can understand why getting him in your locker room might be great for you. I understand that. I just, he doesn't scream winner for me. He's just one of those guys that doesn't scream, I get it in. I get it done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be pretty. But, you know, if we're close in the end of the game, we're going to pull this game out. And he's never given me that that vibe at all. Charger fan, I really did like your other selection, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. I mean, that guy's a stud. He should help that defense, which was good, which was not just good, pretty damn good with one of the Bosa boys, Melvin Ingram, and now you have Kenneth Murray. Your secondary solid, so you're good there. Here's the thing. Tyrod Taylor might look real nice. You know, you look at his weapons with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Austin Eckler, they're not losing anything with Melvin Gordon being gone. Just so you know. Charger fan, your offense, other than your quarterback position, which is obviously the most important, your team looks good. So if Justin Herbert is the dude, next year you're going to make a lot of noise. So we'll see. But you really want to hope that best case scenario, you see him week 12, 13. I say, like, to really make sure that he is not a deer with his head, a deer caught in the lights. At the earliest you see him, it's like week eight. But I would hope kind of get into the double digits just so he can just suck it all in. Because, like I said, he does not uh, take care of the football enough for me. Okay, Raider fans. Raider Nation. Las Vegas Raiders. Love saying that. (laughs) Las Vegas Raiders. That's actually the right place for them, by the way. Las Vegas. Now, I'm going to start this preview by saying that I really loved Mike Mayock on the NFL Network. I thought he was insightful. I thought he gave me information. I used to watch the, the, the scouting combine, and I watch it on ESPN. But when Mike Mayock was doing it for the NFL Network, I feel like he gave me information that I really needed. He let me see things that I wasn't looking for that 
he said these are traits that will equate to the National Football League. And I really believe that my knowledge of football went up exponentially by listening to Mike Mayock on the NFL Network. I really liked his evaluation of player. So it is an absolute treat that he is actually a GM of a football team. But I'm going to say one thing. What are you doing? Now, Henry Ruggs, the first draft pick, I was like, yep, that's a that's a Raider. That dude is fast. You just throw it as far as you can and, and let him go take off. But the Damon Arnett cornerback situation in the in the first round, that was wow. Like honestly, I didn't know what was going on. Like I was with you when you drafted Pharrell out of Clemson. I understood the pick. Even though it was early or whatever, I understood that pick. I was like, you know what? You saying you want character guys, you want winning guys, coming from winning programs, all that. I was in on that. Because I was like, that dude is going to be a solid football player. And you're not going to have to tell him, like, how to live his life. You're not going to have to tell him, like, hey, don't go act a fool so far. Draft Damon Arnett. And, I mean, this guy was not on anybody's radar until, like, late second round, early third. So, this was day two pick, maybe possibly there's a run on other positions. He could have ended up day three, you know, rounds four through seven. But, late second, early third was, like, the grade on him. And I understand the press skills and being a bigger corner. I understand all that. But, I just was perplexed by where he was drafted and who was drafting him because it's not like the Raiders didn't need help in the secondary. So I hope Mayock saw something I didn't. Then they traded their third-round pick, the kid out of Kentucky, uh, Lynn Bolden. I'm like, hold on, wait. So you draft him in the third round, and you turn around, and you trade him before he sees the field for you at all. I just didn't understand that at all. I just, I was just confused by the whole situation. So were you not able to do your homework because of the pandemic to just figure out what was going on with him? There are rumors of lack of maturity with Lynn Bolden. So we wish that young man good luck in Dolphin land. I mean, Vegas or Miami, I don't know, pretty suitable for a 21-year-old and giving him a boatload of money. But, hell, we'll see. Especially when there's lack of maturity issues. Probably Vegas. I mean, that's probably where where Mayock should have stopped, right? Wait, hold on. He has a lack of maturity issues? Or he has issues with maturity? Where do we play? We play in Vegas. So we're going to let 21-year-old run around in Vegas that, had, like, in the scouting report says, lack of maturity. Yeah. I can definitely see why they traded him. It was just weird that they picked him and then got, you know, got rid of him. But I definitely understand trading him going like, oh, yeah, you still, oh, okay. 
oh, just because you became a professional, you still have lack of maturity issues. Okay, you're out. Vegas, man. Vegas would have ate that kid up. Vegas was probably eating him up already. He gets into training camp and like third week training camp. Hey, bro, we got to trade you. You, I've heard about you and Caesars, you and MGM Grand, no social distancing, this crap table incident, I don't know. This is all funny, by the way. I'm not saying that these are things that actually happen. I'm just saying, I'm just speculating, 21-year-old maturity issues and Vegas. I mean, it's a nice combination. So so where is he headed after after his tour of Vegas? Huh, let's just hop down to Miami. No issues with maturity there. Oh yeah, that's a button up type place, Miami. But Brian Flores, his head coach, that's a Belichick guy, so he better straighten up and fly right in uh Miami. So the last thing with the with the Raiders is this, right? Is Carr the guy? He should have the weapons, right? Wide receivers look good. Tight end came out of nowhere. Waller was a beast last year. And Jacobs is the running back. And he also catches the ball out of the backfield. But an interesting signing happened over the offseason. Marcus Mariota is now a Raider. So, Raider fan. Is this like the bridge? You got David Carr, and you know that Gruden loves to tinker with the quarterback. Is this about to start the quarterback carousel in Vegas? It'd be like quarterback roulette. He'll just spin the wheel, and then you get to start, you know, game two. So Carr, probably, I don't know what his leash is. That probably, you know, you want to give that guy you know, ample opportunity with enough rope. But it doesn't look like the rope is going to be very long if Marcus Mariota is the backup quarterback. And you know my feeling? I said it about Chicago, so Bears fans, you heard this already. Raider fans, whether you're in Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, you're going to hear me say it. If you got two quarterbacks, you got none. So those are the previews. So let's get into the predictions. We got the Raiders. Quarterback position kind of up in the air. Draft solid but wasn't impressed with the second of the first round picks. Still building. I'm not sold on, uh, on their left tackle out of UCLA. I hope he got into the to the strength room, strength and conditioning room in the offseason. I thought he was a little light in the bootay. We'll see. But Oakland, it's going to come down to your quarterback or your quarterbacks. And it's going to come down to your coach just leaving one of them alone. Like putting them in and saying, guess what? You're the quarterback. That's it. Boom. For some reason, I don't see that happening. And since I don't see that happening, I don't think that you're going to have a year of playoffs in the first year of Vegas. So I'm going to say that you're going to kind of where you were last year. 
seven and nine, six and ten, somewhere in there. And then either A, you're gonna allow one of the quarterbacks to start and they're gonna you're gonna be married with this guy, or you're gonna go into the draft and get one next year. So good luck, Las Vegas Raider fan. Chargers. You're you have a placeholder at quarterback. But everywhere else is pretty damn solid. Now, Tyrod Taylor could surprise some folks and play well. And that's what you hope, right? Is that he plays well, maybe kind of starts the year on fire, like a Fitzpatrick deal in Miami last year. Fitz magic everywhere. But you're hoping that he starts off hot and maybe kind of peters out towards the end. And then week 12, week 13, the Justin Herbert era begins. But I think because you're competitive everywhere else and your defense is pretty stout and your offense is looking good, you're probably going to look like a 500 team somewhere in there. 8-8. Eight and eight. Can't see you doing any better than that. Denver, Bronco Nation. Big loss. Von Miller, huge loss for your team. That changes your prediction, by the way. Because I had you a little bit higher. But now that Von is gone, you're going to be in second place, all right. But it's not going to be where it needs to be. It's not. I don't know about what playoffs look like. Not at all. He's just such a difference maker on the defense. He makes timely sacks, strips gets fumbles, those type of things. He is the heart and soul of your defense. Not saying that you won't adapt and change and be okay. Not having that guy, not having that presence changes your defense dramatically. And I think that you end up like 9-7. You were the second best team in that division. And I thought that you were being able to prey on the Chargers and the Raiders but because of that injury, man, nine and seven, maybe you squeak by ten and six. I think it's gonna be more nine and seven. I think the Chargers actually have a chance, but it's just at quarterback position. So I think you end up second in the division, nine and seven, Chargers, eight and eight. That brings us to Chiefs Kingdom. Patrick Mahomes got the bag. Chris Jones got the bag. More speed with at the running back position. Like that team needed more speed. Hey, you have ungodly speed, but you know what? You know what you could use? More speed. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire is now the running back. That's gonna be crazy with Tariq and a kid out of Georgia from last year. And Kelsey, it's just going to be a track meet. So we'll see. But I believe that the Chiefs are complete. They look good. Their offense is going to be super crazy again. I think they'll run away with the division. I think it'll be, I mean, 13-3, 14-2, easy. I think they're the class of the uh, AFC. And it's always lofty, this uh, preseason prediction and say that team's going to win 13-14 games, right? But the Chiefs have the ability to do that. 
All right, we'll switch over to the NFC West. This division is going to be fun because I think it's going to be packed in. I think all four teams are pretty close. I do think there is one team that's better than the others, but we shall see how this all plays out. So we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals, Cardinal Nation. Okay, so Kyler Murray made it through the first year. Fantastic. Kudos to you, Cardinal management, bringing in a spread offense coach and then teaming it with Kyler Murray and just going full NCAA football 14 on the NFL. They said, yo, we are not going to even play around. We're going to spread you out. Kyler got a lot of experience. He didn't really get hurt. He did get sacked a lot, but, you know, some of that was his own running around and all a prisoner of his own success type of thing. So now he's a second-year quarterback, wiser, still has Fitzgerald, which is great. D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, came over in a very misguided deal on the Texans' part, and the Texans will pay for that deal. But DeAndre Hopkins is another weapon added to the Cardinals to go along with the, all the wide receivers they drafted last year. And the and so you had the Pups, and then you got the Vets and Fitzgerald and D-Hop. D-Hop is a beast. He is going to thrive in that offense. I heard Steve Mariucci say that Kurt Warner and... Uh, Larry Fitzgerald hold the record for most quarterback wide receiver combo touchdowns for the Arizona Cardinals, right? It's 12. And he said his prediction was 13 between the two. If they get 13 touchdowns between those two, like in the sense that he threw 13 touchdowns to him, this, the prediction that I'm about to make, you can throw it out the window. I think that Kyler is going to mature this year. I think they will still continue to take some lumps. I'm not sure about that offensive line still. I really thought they got a steal in the first round with Isaiah Simmons. I mean, hell, I wouldn't have drafted an offensive lineman if Isaiah Simmons was sitting there at eight. He was the best player in the draft. He was the best player at that time on the board. You draft best prospect available not oh I need an offensive tackle so I'm gonna get dude who definitely grades 13 points lighter than Isaiah Simmons because I want to fill a need shout out to GM of Cardinals because some down the road type thinking so they followed it up in the third round they did get an athletic tackle out of Houston Josh Jones and we'll see he might need a year that's why I think that the Kyler Murray really takeoff year will be next year just because the offensive line is still in flux. I'm not thrilled with the options behind Kenyon, uh, Kenyon Drake. Like, I don't know what happens, but I don't look at Kenyon Drake as a, as a bell cow. He's not 245 pounds. He's not Derrick Henry. You're not going to give the ball to him 35 times. Either A, the Cardinals are going to pick somebody up in the waiver situation 
and put somebody behind Kenyon Drake, or we'll see. Because the options they have behind them right now, to me, are not great. San Francisco 49ers went to the Super Bowl last year. You know, Shanahan, Garoppolo, that tandem seems to be working. Allegedly. Sort of. But I am puzzled. (laughs) San Francisco, who, you know, Garoppolo is a quarterback where... We talked about it before, right? You, you, he, he has to have all the stuff, all the stuff together to make it right. Good running game, good weapons, good tight end, good offensive line, good defense, all that. So why does San Francisco trade Emmanuel Sanders or let him go free agency-wise? There's nothing to me behind D. Will Samuel. One of the guys might pan out, but there's not a really a second guy. There's not a legitimate second guy where you're going to go, okay, yeah, we got to stick him too. Debo Samuel is going to get a lot of attention. Now, giving Kittle the $75 million over five years, that's really cool. I'm glad that wrestling fan got his back. George Kittle, shout out to you. I know you love the WWE. You my boy. But that dude got paid. And he, by the way, he's going to deserve every every penny of the money that he just got. You know why? Unless one of the, sec- one of the secondary wide receivers develops, he is going to be targeted a lot in San Francisco. Thank you for giving him his bag, but... Hopefully one of those guys really stood out in the offseason, OTAs, virtual OTAs, and all that. I believe that losing DeForest Buckner was a critical loss to their defense. See, like I said, Garoppolo and that contract will lose you pieces that he cannot afford to lose. That's the problem. Garoppolo is not. Drew Brees. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He needs everything working as a well-oiled machine to get back to Super Bowls. The defense a little lighter. It's still a solid defense. I'm looking at it like this. That San Francisco team that went to the playoffs last year is going to take a step back. I'm not saying they're not going to be in the playoffs. I just... Okay. 12th man. Seahawks. So it was a ho-hum year for Russell Wilson last year, right? 2019, let's see. We just kind of, you know, our usual 4,000 yards, but 4,110 yards. 31 TDs, 5 interceptions. Ho-hum, another year for us. That dude is putting up ungodly numbers. Without a lot of support, mind you. That offensive line was not fantastic last year. Running backs getting hurt. They've never had, like, bunches of weapons until last year. Here's the other critical key to this situation. Remember, we are in a pandemic. And for the teams that have continuity, they are going to be ahead of everybody else because there's no second guessing. You know the terminology. Of the offense. You know the playbook. 
you've been in the same playbook for three years. Yes, there's always tweaks. There's always augmentations to the playbook. But the brunt of the playbook stays the same terminology unless you're trade unless you're changing defensive or offensive coordinators you know the language stays the same as well seattle same system carol wilson together continuity dk metcalf looks like a like a superstar he looks like a freaking marvel comic book hero maybe he can take over for rest in peace Chadwick Bozeman. A dude is ripped and big and fast. And here's the thing. DK Metcalf is going into his second year. So what do they say, right? The biggest leap, the biggest jump, player clicks and they got it, is from year one to two. He looked great last year. He can look better this year. Super scary for anybody in the NFC West or in football. That a six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound dude who's super fast is gonna get better. You got Lockett coming back, which is great, and then they got Greg Olson, which that was a low key under the radar pickup. But man, that guy is gonna be so worth it on third down. That was a sneaky good pickup. Have dividends all through the season. Keep drives alive. The Legion of Boom is no more. It's kind of probably like the Legion of Bow, not Boom. So you lost like an O and an M. So Clowney just signed a contract, and it wasn't with Seattle. That hurts. But you did get Jamal Anderson from the Jets. By the way, just an FYI, Jet fan, don't hate when that dude blows up this year. Pete Carroll, aggressive defense. Energetic, seems to be a player's coach. Jamal Anderson seems to be a leader, was like that guy, you know, stand-up guy. And then all of a sudden he became this poison or cancer because he was with Adam Gase. I don't buy it at all. That dude looks to be poised for a monster year. I hope they can just get a push up front for him. He's not out there chasing tight ends and, and, and uh, wide receivers for like, 10 seconds. And quarterbacks just sitting there chilling, drinking cappuccinos. The other thing is, now that you also lost Clowney, who was super good against the run last year, the secret's out, Seattle, that teams will run on you. That you can be run on. So you got to shore that up. But continuity is key. So keep that in mind. So now we get to the Rams. Now, I will go ahead and say it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm a Rams fan. That's what I am. Here is the Rams preview from, obviously, the lens of a Rams fan. Here it goes. So they're walking a fine line. I, I believe that. They're walking a real fine line because they're in they're in a kind of a salary cap hell because they keep on giving these monster contracts out and then dudes are leaving. And they're also wasting draft picks. You know, when you give two draft picks up, now, listen, Jalen... Ramsey just got his back. He became, he became the first cornerback to make $105 million. Kudos to you, Jalen Ramsey. Now go out there and ball for my boys. Probably like the second best cornerback in the league behind Gilmore. 
I love Gilmore and, and the Patriots. I like I loved him when he was a, a Bill, but yeah, Stephen Gilmore is a bad boy. But Jalen Ramsey is a bad boy as well. Having a shutdown corner is always awesome because that means half the field is taken care of. The rest of your secondary can kind of focus in on the other people, which is great. Kids, if you don't know what a shutdown corner is and you don't know who Deion Sanders is, Google and YouTube Deion and that will tell you what a shutdown corner will look like. Jalen Ramsey is that guy. So you need draft picks to replenish on the cheap. You're kind of stuck in a salary cap hell. But Jalen Ramsey's 25, so you're good there. Now, the, the draft picks the Rams did get this year, uh, I wish they would have helped a little bit more on the offensive line and defensive line. But I understand if you're going to pull the plug on Gurley, getting Cam Akers from Florida State, that dude looks awesome. And Van Jefferson, the right receiver who left to go to the Texans. You look at that and you go, okay, that team understood where they were. And they needed to go ahead and make some changes. And they did. Jared Goff has to take care of the football for the Rams to get back to the playoffs. It is not okay to throw 18 interceptions. It's just not. Sorry. I mean, 4,500 yards, that's great. But 18 interceptions... Backbreaking. And that had a lot to do with the offensive line and lack of running game. So now, is it better because Gurley is kind of like addition by subtraction? Where Gurley's gone, wasn't healthy. We didn't know if he was healthy. We didn't have any clue because it was like a shroud of secrecy. Everything was redacted. It looked like the blacklist. So now you taking the mystery away. Gurley's gone. He's in Georgia. He's in, he's a falcon, he's a dirty bird. And now you have a three-headed monster of Malcolm Brown, Henderson, who you picked up from Memphis last year out of the draft, and Cam Akers. So one of those guys is going to have to jump up and run the football extremely well for the Rams to be successful this year. But a running game and a solid offensive line and keeping Whitworth healthy is a absolute must. And the interior of that offensive line needs to get better. Somebody needs to slap them before the game, make them get mad and mean. Because golf needs that pocket protected. Keep Whitworth healthy. Keep Haberstein healthy. Haberstein, stay healthy. And the middle of that offensive line just needs to get better. On D, how good, how stout are you up the middle? And Greg Gaines and Sebastian Joseph Day have to, they must anchor the middle and be physical and push the pocket. And they need to push the pocket at crucial points as well. The Rams need to get off the field on third down. And those guys have to get better. They have to be more physical. You know that Aaron Donald and Brockers, Michael Brockers, are going to bring it every single game. You know who you have in those guys. Aaron Donald is from another planet. He's not like us. He's just a dominant disruptor and just a creator of chaos in your offense. He's not. I don't think he's from this planet personally. 
Maybe the X-Files can get on that. <laughs> Shout out to Moldy and, Mulder and Scully. But the defense is going to be looking at the guys in the middle, so your nose tackle, and then the revamped linebacker crew. Last year, they tried to get some help and kind of bring some, some California loves, a former Trojan home, and Clay Matthews to help that linebacker crew. He was old, and he was ineffective at the end of the year. So this year, they've gone a different way. So they got Floyd from Chicago. They took care of that. They have your the guys who were backups last year. So and Kenny Young came over from Baltimore. The Kaisers of the world, the Oguagaku of the worlds, they're going to have to step up. Secondary is going to be lit. Jalen Rams is back there. The uh, Taylor Rapp is coming into his second year. John Johnson's back. So, I mean, they're going to be stout on the back end. It's literally the middle of the defense and the linebacking crew. If they do not, this is going to be another long year. Not in the way of, like, 4-12, and 12, but this is not going to be the year that the rambling fans will want. Let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Predictions. So, Arizona, I'm looking at you. Kyler improves. O-line, still a question. Cardinals, you may be a draft away from making a lot of noise in the NFC West. I got you at 6-10 and 10 and 7-9. and nine. That doesn't mean that you don't have a good year. That doesn't mean that you don't have a couple really awesome games. And maybe you scare a couple playoff teams. Maybe you knock somebody out of the playoffs. Just as long as it's not the Rams, we're cool. But I have the cards going 6-10, You know, more development for Kyler Murray. That's what I'm looking at for the Arizona Cardinals. All right, Rams. This is hard for me. You guys are 9-7 again. O-line has to stay healthy and the... And the guards in the in the center need to be more physical. The running game needs to come together. Either Akers or Henderson needs to the running game needs to come together. Either Akers or Henderson will need to separate themselves from the pack and become the number one back. And then the other guy kind of settles in and becomes a third down back or whatever. But the running game needs to improve if the Rams are gonna do anything. And for the defense, we're just looking at the middle of the defense. It's the nose tackle. Gaines and Joseph Day need to be stout, and they need to be physical at the point of attack, which they have not shown that so far. With that being said, with them being a question mark, it's hard for me to go higher than 9-7. The 49ers. Last year, you're in the Super Bowl. You know, defense is super, it's just sick. They're just getting turnovers everywhere. They're physical. They look mean. They look dominant. Offensive line looks good. Last year, you had running backs by committee, and every last one of them hit. But now it's up to Garoppolo. Will he earn his contract? Because you lost Emmanuel Sanders. That means Devo Samuel is going to get a lot of double coverage. George Kittle will help with that. 
But do you have a number two guy? Do you have another wide receiver that is going to step up? Is Garoppolo going to develop the number two guy? Because when you're making $30 million, this is what happens. Ask Tom Brady. He made chicken salad out of chicken shit a lot in New England. That kid made a lot of people a lot of money. The West Weckles of the world, Julian Edelman's made a lot of money. Amendola's made a lot of money. Deion Branch thanks his whole career to Tom Brady. That's what Garoppolo's going to have to do. He's going to have to make dudes better. And can he do it? But for that type of money, San Francisco fan, he better. $30 million, Oh, no, dog. You got to make dudes better. Yeah, because your salary is the reason why we can't keep Emmanuel Sanders. 49ers, you're 9-7. You and the Rams are battling for a playoff position. 12 man. Apropos, 12 man. You're gonna buy, you guys are going to be 12-4. and four. Your division's hard. You might get two of your four losses might come out of division. Rams, 49ers. But you're solid and you're complete in the sense of you have Russell Wilson and you have Pete Carroll and you have continuity. Continuity is going to go a long way, ladies and gentlemen, this year. If you got a lot of continuity, you should be ready to roll. 12-4, and four, defense looks good. I told you where they needed to, you know, upgrade uh, Seattle. Clean up the run defense, and you really going to have a shot at the Super Bowl. But I think you're going to win your division easy. Your offense has just gotten a lot better. I mean, it's ridiculous. Olsen was a sneaky good pickup. And that's why it's safe for me to say that you guys are going to win 12 games. Just super safe on that. So college football is back on Saturday. Well, sort of. I say sort of because the NCAA who want to look like big dogs just got defanged by the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. Because those conferences are playing. And the Pac-12 and the Big 10 aren't. You have to feel terrible for like Ohio State. Justin Fields, who doesn't get to show his wares. I understand about the pandemic. I get it. If the Power Five is playing, like the whole Power Five is playing. It should have been a collective. I don't think that there should be a competitive advantage in the South because they have tremendous facility and the amount of money in their and their programs is ungodly. Like we give billions of dollars to the football team, science department, you get five hundred grand. Science department is like, we can't buy a laser with this. So you gotta feel bad for the three Big Ten teams in that wanted to play Ohio State, Michigan, and Nebraska. Nebraska hell, they tried to go to a different conference. 
Ohio State and, and Michigan literally had like a protest rally to play. Pac-12 players were imploring their officials to, you know, help with social injustice. And they wanted, you know, better, you know, facilities and treatments for the COVID. So for the COVID-19 virus. And they just shut it down and said, we're not listening to your demands because we're just going to shut it down. This is way too hard for us. So it's kind of unfortunate. It's going to be unbalanced. And you got these teams and you got these conferences that will be playing. And then they somehow swindle like little schools like Southwest Arkansas to play them like one non-conference game. It's, it's going to be a shit show a little bit. That brings me to the commissioner of the Pac-12. Larry Scott wants to play in January. And I think he's trying to line up that schedule with the Big Ten who also want to play later on. But here's the thing. If you are a Pac-12 or Big Ten player who is draft eligible, so that means you're a red shirt shirt sophomore or higher, you're not playing in January and February. You got to get ready for the draft. So why would you play? Injury, you're talking about also now... If you're in January, that means, okay, you know pretty much the Midwest is going to be frozen, right? So injury, ankles, knees, all that, ice, snow, everything, right? And then it's better in the Pac-12 because you do got the Arizona schools and and the USC and UCLA's and the Stanford's and the Cal's. What, Oregon? Mess. Washington? Mess. Colorado and Utah, mess, in January and February. If I'm draft eligible and it's time to play football, and they're like, yo, you want to play football? I'm like, nope, my money, mm-mm, not messing with that. So my proposal that I made, I think in the first episode, was that the Power 5 conferences break off, right? And they bring another conference with them. So they bring a total of six conferences. And in that six conference, you just scatter teams across the country. Put Notre Dame in there, too. Here, here you go, Notre Dame. Here's a conference for you to rule, right? And you put like teams like Houston and maybe Boise State. And you take, you know, you just take teams that, you know, the Cincinnati's of the world who kind of are in their conference, you know, the cream of the crop, you take them and you almost kind of create a new, like, conference USA, but better, right? Because Notre Dame's going to be in it. And then you just ride with that because the NCAA is just, I mean, I have no idea what they're doing. I have no clue what the standard operating procedures are for this particular situation everybody else everybody else pulls some stuff together the nfl did major league baseball did it wasn't successful but at least they tried hockey did and basketball has a bubble by the way the ncaa Copyright and trademark battle in the bubble for the basketball season. 
So they're going to try to do something. It's just funny to me that this broke out in March. Mid-March, by the way. April, May, June, July, and now August is here. And the NCAA just sat there and just said, oh, it's just going to go away. We don't need to put procedures in place. By the way, these conferences are laughing at you. And, again, I feel bad for the Illinois of the world, the Utahs of the world, the Northwesterns of the world, the Purdue's of the world, the Colorado's of the world, who is going to... As far as recruiting, you they're going to lose this year. This year is going to really affect like 2022 for them and 2023 for them because the guys that would have been recruited and that would sign their letter of intent in 2021 aren't going to see Oregon and Colorado play. They're not going to see Purdue and Northwestern play. And those three stars athletes and maybe possible couple four-star guys are going to end up at places like Wake Forest, South Carolina, Vanderbilt is going to get those dudes. Like Pittsburgh and Syracuse are going to make a lot of hay in the recruiting trail and Boston College will probably be helped by this. So schools that aren't predominantly known as like powerhouse football squads the balance of power might be even shifted more towards the South after this because of the fact that you're not going to see Michigan and Ohio State. And you're not going to see Ohio... The the real tragedy is you're not going to see Ohio State, Nebraska. You're not going to see Ohio State, Minnesota. Places like that, that. That look for those games because they built up like a really awesome senior class and junior class and now they're able to compete with the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Penn States of the world and then they have a game that's magical beat that team and that just does such a boost for their recruiting every year and those teams won't have that capability in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 but teams like I said Wake Forest you're going to see them play Clemson you're going to see them play Notre Dame you're going to see South Carolina play. You're going to see Vanderbilt play. Tennessee is going to get a boost from this because of the fact they're going to be seen because they're going to play football. They're going to be on your TV each and every Saturday. And that's a travesty because the NCAA couldn't step up, put their big boy pants on and say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. No, we're not going to stop the, start the football season in, in September. We're going to start in October. We're going to do this, this, and this. These are going to be the protocols. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody gets tested. Everybody gets, you know, quarantined. We're going to, these schools are going to build like a biodome in their own school. And the the football player is going to be let out at a certain time to practice. And then they're going to virtual learn the rest of the way. We're going to have fans in stand or we're not going to have, you know, fans in stand. And we're going to, you know, we're going to have our, our TV contract scored away, boom, boom, boom. No, that's not what they did. They just kind of stuck their head in the sand and just, like, allowed everybody just to sit there and make these adjustments and make these 
decisions on their own. So who needs you, NCAA? I have a rant on baseball that I'm going to wait till next week because I don't want to make this podcast 16 hours long. But I will finish off with this about the WWE. How do you feel about Roman Reigns being a heel? Like, that is epic for a lot of reasons. Well, first of all, the words that he gave on SmackDown were that everybody cast him aside when the whole COVID thing happened. So, he's using the narrative where they didn't even use his name on SmackDown as a slap in the face and a disrespect to him. And they chose people like Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman to be the face of the company in his absence. He's aligned himself with Paul Heyman. And I just, to me, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. I don't know who came up with it, but kudos to you, whoever that came, whoever came up with that. I love the whole retribution thing. Them just running around, creating havoc, like as a sidebar situation. You got Shayna Baszler. And Nia Jax as the women's tag team champions now. That's a good way for Shayna to get her feet wet, by the way. Slapping the title on her, I I mean, you could because she is that dominant. But I like to see, like, okay, there's got to be mountains for you to climb before you get the Raw or SmackDown women's belt on you. But giving her the tag team... And here's the thing. Shayna is not much of a talker. When you do finally put the belt on her, you're going to have to give her a mouthpiece. So my suggestion on giving her a mouthpiece is give her the ultimate mouthpiece. Yo, bring back Stephanie McMahon. And allow her to have almost kind of a woman's corporate, you know, corporation type deal. Have dudes in it too, but the literal crown jewel of the corporation would be Shayna Baszler. It would be based around her and and Stephanie, and they'll wield their power. And here Shayna is a is a, a is a uh, submission specialist like Ronda Rousey, so she can put dudes in locks too, and and be a badass there too. But could you imagine Baszler Charlotte for the SmackDown title? WrestleMania. Well, if you build it right and you get a mouthpiece for Baszler, I mean, Charlotte is such a pro. She's so awesome. I mean, that would just make money on top of money. I really like the dynamic between um, Sami Zayn and Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title. I like that they're bringing legitimacy. And here are three guys who have a name, especially Hardys and Styles. You know, you got, and it'll make the title matter. I love what they're doing over on Raw with the Hurt business and the U.S. championship and, and making Bobby Lashley look like an absolute stud. And he's got a faction with MVP and Shelton Benjamin. And then now you got Apollo Crews chasing that title. So kudos to the production and who's writing for the WWE right now because those mid-card storylines are compelling 
And then the chaos around it, which is interesting, right? You got the 24-7 kind of surround that situation. There's a raw underground little part to it as well. So you got a lot of stuff going on. This reminds me of the old days of like WCW where, you know, you had <clears throat> the Four Horsemen. You always had like Sting and Luger. And then you had uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan's like Legion of Doom or whatever they were called. It just, there was so much going on. You know, you still, and the titles mattered, but there were stories that were not title related that mattered to you as well. AEW is really working hard at doing that as well. Is having storylines that are not title related. So you are not fast forwarding through Orange Cassidy and like Chris Jericho, Le Champion. Shout out to Le Champion. You got a little bit of bubbly on Saturday, buddy. Chris Jericho. That dude's awesome. I remember his uh his debut in the WWE Y2J. <laughs> it was great. But I really like what they're doing with Baszler. I really like what they're doing with the Intercontinental Championship. I think they're bringing legitimacy to those two title to, to that to that title and to the women's tag team because that's a dominant tag team if you think about it. That's a crazy tag team. Nia Jackson and Shayna Baszler could be women's tag team champions for a very long time. I don't know what the record is. Obviously, you know, having women tag team belt is new. But they might have a legit shot at whatever the tag team title duration of reign. Man or woman. If they want it. If they want it to win. And continue to win. Like they could go two years. And it, it, and if you really wanted to build up the women's tag team division. And build up the KC Canizeros. And the Caden Carters. And people like that. You put the belts on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. For a couple years. Where they're just annihilating people like right off the bat like for like the next six months they're just killing people they could still do their side project of you know chasing individual gold or you know like i said how baszler climb the mountain you know like she doesn't get oscar right off the bat maybe she goes into a program with natalia or she goes into a program with somebody else that hasn't gotten a lot of juice lately. Where's the sassy Southern Belle? Somebody has to step up. And but I think if you gave the title to them, because now the iconics are gone, right? There's nobody physically imposing that can deal with the both of them realistically. So when you do the underdog story, it's gonna take a minute to build that underdog story and build up the dominance of Baszler. And Nia Jax. That's just my opinion. Alright. So that's going to end the show. Um, I want to shout out. Everyone. Uh, who has listened to the show. This is a passion of mine. This is a dream of mine. If you have any suggestions about the show, if you have any suggestions about maybe your team, you want them to be spotlighted more, 
you can hit me on Twitter, which is question point underscore V, like in Vince, or Victor, or Valley, or whatever you want to use. But it's question point underscore V for the Twitter. And then for the Instagram, if you want to hit me on that, as far as that's concerned, it's going to be question point underscore pod underscore Vince. Hit me up. I'll be more than happy to answer back. And if you have a suggestion, you know, I'm super open to it. You know, I'm like Jerry Rice. I get open. I get open, boy. So that'll conclude this week's QP Sports Exchange. My name is Vince. You guys have a great week, and we will be back next week with more fire, and I will talk to your ass later. Here we go. Here we go.